I invite you, as you're able to stand for the reading of today's gospel lesson, the gospel of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, according to St. Matthew. Listen for the word of the Lord. Immediately he made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. But by this time, the boat, battered by the waves, was far from the land, for the wind was against them. And early in the morning, he came walking toward them on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified saying, it is a ghost, and they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them and said, take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come out to you on the water. And he said, come. So Peter got out of the boat and he started walking on the water and came toward Jesus. But when he noticed the strong wind, he became frightened, and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and caught him, saying to him, You have little faith, why did you doubt? When they both got into the boat, the wind ceased. And those in the boat worshipped Jesus, saying, Truly you are the Son of God. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. At the outset of today's sermon, I assure you that although I love to sing in worship and love to sing in sermons, I will not be singing the Simon and Garfunkel masterpiece that is the title of today's sermon. It's two octaves too high for any normal human being. But it does work for directional discipleship, for like a bridge over troubled water, Jesus stands. And Jesus comes, and he reaches, and he bridges, and he calls us forth when we're sinking, and he enters the boat with us to lay down the wind and the waves. But the lyrics I'll share, when you're weary, feeling small, when tears are in your eyes, I'll dry them all, I'm on your side. Oh, when times get rough. And then it gets real high, you know, and friends just can't be found. Like a bridge over troubled water, I will lay you down. I think the measure of great writing is when the reader becomes part of the story, like a timeless folk song. Or if you're a Gen Xer, like the never-ending story. You remember that story? It was like the story, but the guy reading it became part of the story. It was an odd thing. Faulkner does that for me as... Do Eudora Welty and Edith Wharton and Stephen Crane love them? So do great composers and painters possess this gift of making us part of that score or drawing us into a work of art. Millimeters, we become part of that great masterpiece, seeing ourselves and our human condition there. I think part of the beauty of the Bible is when we place ourselves in its stories knowing our human condition is reflected. So holding up a Bible should be like holding up 
a mirror. Because in that moment, it becomes more than a, a great work of literature. It becomes the living word of God. And we become part of its story. And for all the claims that, that we make about Scripture, when is the last time that you let Scripture claim you? So how do you see yourself in the mirror of today's text? It's a familiar text. We learn it, we teach it here early on, VBS. The children learn it in children's church. Our youth learn it. It's taught every year. How do you see yourself in this text? You know, coming from the miracle of multiplication at, at Tabitha, Jesus took five loaves and, and two fish, and he fed thousands, and he finally has this opportunity to get away from the crowds and to get away from uh, his inner circle of disciples. I think he's, he's pulling away to grieve the death of, of John the, the Baptist, and he needs to refocus, and he needs to breathe. And what we're seeing is the humanity, the full humanity of Jesus and his disciples on display. Matthew is... He's given us something just raw and real about who we are and who Jesus is. The power of Jesus counters the powerlessness of his disciples. They represent the church, by the way. We navigate these waters by our own devices and we'll sink or we'll swim. We let Jesus in the boat and our troubled waters lay down. There's a pressure point with this text, though, and that is if we just have enough faith, we can actually be better than Peter and not sink like Peter. We can walk on water. Just don't look down. Don't look away. Don't take your eye off the ball. <laughs> and everything will be swimmingly well if we pray enough or pray the right way enough or for good enough or biblically literate enough or confessed up enough. Like, like last week, this continuing theme of, of enough, it persists in our lives. We're holding up this mirror the disciples thought they didn't have enough to feed the masses, but they had just enough. Because with God, there's always enough. Especially when it comes to you and me and our lives and what we have to offer to God and to one another. And so this one interpretation, do not be afraid, it's all up to you to make your way to Jesus. You can do, do it if you try hard enough. Get faith and, and you've mastered life. End of sermon. Except, life rarely works that way, right? And the thing is, here, here we are in our own boat. Almost quite literally. I mean, you are sitting in a section called the nave. Has resonances of, of navy. And our architecture so long ago has designed this place to be like the hull of a, of a ship. We have sailing imagery all throughout, all throughout the sacred space. Even your pews are our theology of togetherness. There's no individual seats. It's all pews. You're all rowing toward Jesus in some, some way. And here we are, like the earliest disciples gathered around the presence and the grace of a man who walks on water. The question is, does more healing and wholeness come when, when we try to make claims on this story or when we allow it to claim us. Because the gospel today, friends, is it's placing us in the boat. You think about it. You recognize yourself as the ones in the boat who are in awe and wonder of Jesus. 
You just sit in silence sometimes and marvel. You might be like the disciples who are petrified by fear about storms raging against you this day. You might be a disciple who is caught up by the fear of making the wrong decision. Do I step up and step out? Do I sit tight and we end up doing nothing at all? Or you might embrace the thrill of stepping out into uncharted waters like launching a new ministry or pitching a radical idea or beginning a new career, a new relationship or whatever it is. Or you might be the one in the boat sitting next to the person who is sinking right now in isolation or depression or addiction or anxiety about the darkness around her or him. Maybe you feel like you're sinking with debt, responsibilities, or maybe the guilt and shame are drowning your ability to function. So you're crying out today, Lord, save me. Reach down and grab my hand and pull me out of this mire in which I have found myself. I think at some point, we're likely to be all of the above. But here we are, navigating life's waters together, perfectly unwhole, but seeking perfectly holy God together. And whatever your season, your story, your situation is right now, for how many times we've, we've heard, you know, get with it discipleship, either sink or swim, have some faith, pull yourself up, you can walk on water like, like Peter, you too will be a model disciple. For all the times we've heard that and preached as those who are put together, fearful, frozen, festering, and frenetic, it is Jesus who comes to the entire lot of us all and says, it is I coming for you. Do not be afraid. And that's when the good news lives on, friends. I mean, Peter's pretty cool. He took a few steps on the Sea of Galilee. I'll give him that, right? But on either side of those steps, that fear and failure, if you interpret it that way, is Jesus coming for Peter. Is Jesus coming for the disciples it's good news there today that no matter the storms or conditions that have accompanied any of us here, that Jesus reaches for you just as you are. Do not be afraid. There's power that when we hear the voice of Jesus and recognize the voice of Jesus, we're called to walk toward Jesus despite our fear. Make no mistake, discipleship does require risks. It does require stepping out by faith from time to time. But doing so, it neither protects us nor prevents us from experiencing choppy waters, nor do steps of faith guarantee our fear will immediately be gone. What we learn, in some sense, if we're honest, about navigating life's waters together, is that faith and fear are always in the same boat with one another. Right? What we see by holding this mirror up to ourselves and, and to our brothers and sisters is that it's more than a mirror, it's also a prism. That the church is an array of, of colors and stories and, and even beliefs, but the one constant amid all the storms and all that comes our way is Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. 
And when our faith and fear are intermingled together, we, we're always accompanied by the power and presence of Jesus. It's funny to me that we would think Peter would be able to stay afloat. His name means rock, after all, right? It reminded me of the, the line from the Titanic, you know, the, the builder tells the captain, this ship cannot sink, captain. <laughs> well, she's made of iron, sir. I assure you she can and she will, <laughs> right? Peter means rock. He, the pillar of the church, started sinking, causing us to wonder about these moments in our lives when we lack faith, we're stricken by fear. But then there's Jesus. Ernest Campbell, he pastored that historic Riverside Church in New York, and he once said, the reason that we seem to lack faith in our time is that we're not doing anything that requires faith. Maybe that's true. But whether you're a bold disciple, a risk-taking, mission-minded martyr, or a disciple with far more questions than answers, I'm here to tell you today, you're in the right boat. <laughs> you're in the right boat. How do you see yourself in this reading today? And how are you actively engaged in a faith that requires you to step out and walk toward Jesus? But how do you see yourself in this reading today as one who needs to hear that Jesus has stepped out and is walking toward you too? True discipleship is the blending of faith and doubt. The church has always been a mixed bag of believers and doubters, often separated only by a breath or a life event or, or a storm. Faith, the size of a mustard seed, we are told, can move what? Mountain, mountain. Say it louder. Mountains, yes. Not mountains. Mountains! <laughs> Spiritual maturity the lesson Peter received. Jesus said, you of little faith. I don't know if that's an admonition or an affirmation because maturity is marked by the one and by the congregation who speaks honestly about the judgment side of faith. We only have a little faith or we could do so much more as well as the encouraging side of faith. God loves us, will not abandon us, is in the boat with us, frees us for joyful obedience and navigates life course waters with us. Once we come to terms with those two realities that God's freeing love for our lives, we've discovered the gift of grace. And we step out on these waters into this tension-filled sea that exists between you only have a little faith and you only need a little faith. Hmm. Feeding the masses within our community and addressing poverty and homelessness, having hard yet necessary conversations about mental health, doing the work of supporting families, whatever that, that makeup might be, all becomes possible when we fix our eyes on Jesus together rather than the gusting and prevailing winds of doubt, uncertainty, fear, remaining stuck in the past, dreading the future. Because this story concludes, after all, with all the disciples and then with Jesus in the boat together, and it arouses an image that ministry involves an in-between space where the human and the divine are intermingled. And when that happens, the world around them changes. What if today's lesson is less about, you know, if you just have enough faith and believe mightily enough, you can overcome anything, because, because that breaks down with things like 
cancer and car wrecks and catastrophes, right? So instead, what if we begin having enough faith to believe that Jesus is in the boat with us, despite all that we do to doubt Him, to doubt ourselves, regardless how many times we've been told or have told ourselves that we are not enough, God is with us in this boat. Amen? God will not abandon us from this boat. Therefore, we do not abandon God or one another or the needs around us. That's faith. Faith over fear works. But so does faith and fear when we're together. Many of us have been watching in horror the reports of the deadly fires in Hawaii. You've reading these headlines, yes? Our prayers are ascending for our brothers and sisters in Maui, and I think nearly 100 lives have been lost, people's livelihoods destroyed, pets displaced, pets lost, boats melting to the ground, and we feel so helpless. But we also see the best in humanity during moments like these. I was particularly drawn to a story yesterday of a familiar, uh, of a family rather, and a few of their neighbors, and they stayed on land as long as they could. Did you see the Tompkinson family story? They stayed on land as long as they could until the fires encroached so closely, the embers swirling all around them, the smoke uh, clouded so badly that they had to cover their eyes and their faces, and, and finally they had to jump into the sea, which had its own challenges right there on the coastline. Choppy, battering, turbulent. Had the family walked across the street, they would have been consumed by the flames. Leap into the choppy waters, might have a chance. They stayed in those waters for hours, well into the night. Think about that. Waist-deep waters shaking you to your core. The waves pounding as you watch your whole neighborhood consumed by flames. I honestly can't think of a worse image, right? Reality, it's hell. They stayed there for hours, and at one point their mother became quite cold and started shivering, so her two sons huddled around her to keep her warm. The thing that arrested my attention the most is something the older brother said. Had any one of us been out on the water alone, I don't think we would have made it. But because we had one another, we survived. That's probably the best one-line sermon you need today. <laughs> Had any one of us tried to go at this thing called life alone, we probably would sink, not make it. But because we're in the boat together, because we have one another, because Jesus is here inviting us to his table and into his story, we survive. Whatever storm you're facing today, 
whatever storms will face the church, we fix our eyes on Jesus. We stay in the boat together because we have a blessed assurance that Jesus, Jesus is coming our way. He wants to be part of our journey. When we discover that, we see those waters lay down. We begin taking up that mantle of mission and ministry. We proclaim, as the song says, as the text emphasizes, truly, truly you are the Son of God. Truly you are the Son of God, Lord. And you might just be singing today, sail on, silver girl, sail on by, together. To the glory of God. Amen.